0: Welcome to the How to Survive a Horror Movie podcast, where we learn how to survive horror movies and maybe how to survive life. I'm your host, Ryan Stacey, and this week, we're looking at a movie nobody cares about, 1992's Children of the Corn to The Final Sacrifice. The last of the 10 Children of the Corn movies to be released in theaters. So this will be fun. Whatever. This will be about as fun as driving through Nebraska. (laughs) That's going to work for a lot of these, isn't it? Yes. Uh, I'm joined once again by what will hopefully be our Children of the Corn correspondent, Derek. Derek, how are you doing?
1: You know, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, to be perfectly honest, but... Meh? Yeah. Tepid? Yeah. Lukewarm? You know. That's fair. Parts of this movie were hilarious, most of it was kind of a yawn, and all of it was confusing. It was okay. It's nothing special. It, it 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 feels very much like a lifetime
0: movie, like part coming of age, part thriller movie that like you'd see on like a straight-to-CD, a little melodramatic
1: Falling in love too quickly,
0: yeah, stuff like that. It, it it feels a lot like that, and then like occasionally there's a slasher movie in here. It's it's weird. It's a very tonally awkward movie. I mildly enjoyed it. It's like yeah, it's okay.
1: Yeah, it's a slasher with a side of cornbread. Yeah, I mean, no, no pun intended because Children of the Corn, but it's really corny. Yep. Yeah. You it's fine.
0: You don't need to watch it. You can. So what we do on this podcast is we are creating a master list of rules to survive any and all horror movies. You can look at our current list at HowToHorror on Twitter. That's where our current list is with our 39 rules at this point. Craziness. And so we're going to go through the plot of this movie, beat by beat, decision by decision to see if we need to add any new rules into the mix. So spoiler alert for Children of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice. If you have a way to watch it, go ahead. If you don't, don't bother. It's whatever. It's whatever. Just listen to this podcast. Yeah, don't don't pay money for this. Do don't, don't pay money for this movie. If if you see it on Netflix or something, why not? It'll kill sometime. <laughs> I don't have anything else to add before we get into this. Do you, Derek? No, let's 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 go for All it. Alright, let's get into Children of the Corn Two, the Final Sacrifice. Alright, so the movie opens on a man named David who isn't really much of a character, but David is from the nearby town of Hemingsford. Hemingsford, which was mentioned in the previous movie. Yeah, that's the place everyone tried to get to but could never get to. Yes. So and we got there. We got there, all well, sort of. They've come to Gatland. So David and a bunch of uh, other people from, what is it called? Hemingsford. Hemingsford. Uh, they have come to Gatland because after the events of the first movie, our survivors from the first movie have like informed the police, which is you know good for them. And so now they've all come to Gatlin to figure out what's going on, and they just find a bunch of bodies
1: down in the basement. Rule number one, David, you're in a horror movie. Absolutely. I'd like to imagine that our two protagonists and young children are off just some living some, hopefully, normal life in Washington. Yep. I mean, we never see them
0: again, so one can only hope. Yeah, who? Here, here, here's open yeah here's open but honestly from the second anybody arrives in like either of these two towns this whole movie they should be in a horror movie a giant mass murder has just been uncovered done by children most of these children are still alive all of these people should know they're in a horror movie there's no excuses there's no excuses and you know shame on most of them only a couple of them only like two of them really know
1: like immediately yeah we're in a horror movie everybody else is so relaxed. You know, I wonder if this has anything to do with the year being 1992, and this is the era of where all the Gen Xers started raising children to do no wrong. The children do no wrong. Mm. You know, that lackadaisical, like, my my little sunshine kind of attitude? Darn Gen Xers ruining everything.
0: Yeah. So they find a whole bunch of corpses. News reporters descend on the town, police, all this stuff, and they interview David about what they found. The kids are still super weird, but... As far as the police are concerned, like, yeah, all the, all the bad kids, Isaac and Malachi, they're dead. So the rest of them are just kind of innocent victims who were just in this cult. I mean, yes, but just because someone has been brainwashed by a cult doesn't mean they're not dangerous. That's the thing. Okay, so we, we the the biggest rule of the previous Chilicor movie, and what's going to be the biggest rule of this movie, is rule number 36. Cults are bad. Okay. Yes, cults are bad, okay. You know, there's plenty of innocent people who got tricked and lured into cults and brainwashed. And they come out the other end, dangerous. Like, I I, I sympathize for these kids who who were, like, lulled into this. But at the same time, let's bring them somewhere and, like, test their psyche and make sure they're not going to murder anybody else. How about them apples?
1: Well, and the thing is, we don't know. Maybe they would have. But there's nothing in Nebraska Oh yeah, and they went from Gatlin to Hemingsford, and this all just happens in like the next two or three days. With how slow that our you know child services and uh, social workers work, usually hamstrung by red tape, I totally get that. This is feasible enough. Like, okay, we need to find something to do with these kids in the next like three four days. I know I'm reading way too deeply into this, but that's what we're here to do. Yeah, Mm -hmm. let's let's bring this into the real world. The kind people of Hemingsford were trying to take in these basically homeless, parentless, lawless children who yep. are the victims of occult brainwashing, and then this movie just takes place in the next three or four days because nobody had their guard up, and also everyone in Hemingsford was a little off, yep. kind of like Gatlin. Yeah, uh, so all the
0: Hemingsford people, or a lot of them, they're going to foster these Gatlin kids. There's only like 20 or so of them, so the, it's not like there's a massive amount, but the, yeah, that's the plan. They're going to take them all over to... Uh Hemingsford, and basically be foster parents till a more long term solution can be implemented. Rule number thirty is don't be a good Samaritan. This is a mistake look I, I, I being a foster parent is a great thing if they're the kids that were in a cult,
1: don't do it <laughs> at least not right away. Let them get checked out first, well, especially because you know you're in a horror movie. yep, I mean this don't be a good Samaritan is almost. Precautionary on no, you knowing you're in a horror movie because you know what? Yeah, sometimes it's okay to be a good Samaritan, you know. In like, for example, a public place where there are people around and cameras watching, and you're helping somebody yes. change a tire, you can be a good Samaritan there. But taking in like a formerly homicidal child who is worshiping vegetables, yep. I guess starch, probably not a good plan.
0: Yeah, you know, they all know these kids were involved in the murder of their own parents. You know, to what extent is unknown.
1: But I would, you know, to be on the safe side, assume that they straight up killed their own parents. Yeah, and this is rule 21, learn from past events, and literally nobody in Hemingsford seems to care except one old lady.
0: Uh, two old ladies.
1: Two, two, old, two old ladies, but we, we meet one right now. Yeah, we're gonna meet one right now.
0: Yeah, because Mrs. Burke, this elderly woman who used to live in Gatlin, now lives in uh, Hemingsford, comes in and is like, don't bring these kids in. It's a bad call. This is
1: stupid. I'm taking my house and I'm leaving. Yeah,
0: she's somebody. um, We meet a woman named Angela who runs a bed and breakfast in town. She's like, why don't you open your house up and bring in some kids? And she's like, fuck no. I'm taking my house. and I'm getting out of here.
1: And I I looked at Ryan at this point. I'm like, she's taking her house. I assume that she was in like a modular home or like a mobile home or something. Nope. Nope. But she's legitimately going to try and take her house. Yeah, she's legitimately like putting her house up on like hydraulic jacks. She's going to load it up on a semi and go elsewhere. Respect. I like the commitment. I like the commitment, but honestly, because she's
0: 100% right about everything. Yeah. The move is to abandon the house and just follow rule number 11. Get out. Get out! Yeah, just leave. Yeah, don't forget the house. She had enough time to, like, grab some possessions, but she honestly should just be gone. But she, her instincts were dead on. She just, she needed to let go of that, that house.
1: And honestly, she made her mistake 15 years ago when her husband died in the corn. You'd think that you'd want some kind of fresh start at that point, but she's also really old at this point. You know, so, like, I don't blame her for wanting to just take her house elsewhere. I mean, this is something that you see not only... In movies all the time with uh older people who are unwilling to let go i mean not to bring the movie dante's peak into this but like their grandma did not want to leave her house on the side of the mountain yep. even though it was going to erupt they, they can just be stubborn and they're like you know what this has been my life and if this is this is the final chapter this is the final chapter it, it's a bad decision but perfectly fine writing i completely bought into it totally and, Makes yeah sense. And, and i don't doubt it it's realism. Yeah. I think that happens all the time where the elderly community is just like, you know what? I This is who I am, and this is how it's going to be. And I'm not saying that's all. I don't want anyone to think that that's what I'm saying. But I think you are more likely to be stuck in your ways if you've been doing it that way for 80 years. Yes. And, and I, that's that's what we have here. This is my house. I'm taking it with me. You
0: know, I will say, yeah, Mrs. Burke is my favorite character in this movie. <laughs> she's, she's wonderful. She, she's great. She's not in very much of it, but what we do get from her is wonderful. Mm-hmm. So we meet our main protagonist, John Garrett, who is a reporter from some tabloid magazine. Uh, the Global Inquirer. Yeah, something like that. And his son, Danny, who they have kind of an strange relationship. They don't get along. There's some bad blood between them because the, his parents are, like, divorced or something. I, I don't know. And also the stepdad sucks. They, they don't get into too much of it. It's just they don't get along.
1: Yeah, and if you're trying to get a mental image of who these people are without uh, Google searching them, he basically looks like a grown-up Sean Astin with a slightly deeper voice, and then Danny the kid kind of looks like a young Emilio Estevez crossed with Kerry Elwes. Yep. And and by the way, this whole movie has a Twister vibe at the beginning. This movie too. does feel a lot like the like the film Twister. Which fun fact
0: is both Derek and mine are our favorite movie of all time.
1: How odd is that? Yeah.
0: That and I like they even say. It looks like a twister's coming at one point, point. and
1: we just looked at each other. No way, yeah, because like, for... it already just felt like it. Anyway, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. And,
0: and for the record, I'd, I've seen this movie before, but it was like nine years ago, and I re- I barely remembered anything. I remembered like I remembered the ending, and I remembered two of the death scenes with the two old ladies. I remembered both of those, and that's that's all <laughs> I remembered really. Which were both fun death scenes. Uh, so they're they're coming to town. John is going to cover this story, and basically, he's under a lot of pressure. If he doesn't get the story, he implies he's going to get fired for some reason. Sure don't know how that works, but okay. Whatever. Look, we're here here now. As someone who works in news, if you don't get a story, it happens. You're not going to get fired for it.
1: So unless it happens all the time. Well, and also, this is the Global Enquirer, so I I don't know what's going on. I suppose. Like, this guy's literally fake
0: news. This guy's literally (laughs) fake news, yes. As they're coming into town, they almost get into a car accident, which isn't their fault. It's the two other guys' fault. We We meet Mackenzie and Bobby. Who are both reporters covering this story. And uh Bobby ran a stop sign and they almost get into a car accident. So bad Bobby. Rule number four, Bobby, don't be a menace.
1: Yeah, keep your eyes on the road.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's another one is mm-hmm. a from the last Trinquin movies. Rule number rule number thirty seven, keep your eyes on the road. Bobby and Mackenzie basically let us know that John has made stuff up before, which is the biggest no no in news. And probably why John got fired.
1: Well, he was saying that it was a disagreement.
0: Yeah, but you know if you're if you're writing fake news, that'll get you fired pretty quick. at least at least where I work. fired or promoted, fired. <laughs> real quick. So yeah, not great, John. Mackenzie wants to stop and get some b-roll, um, which is just generic footage of corn, you know, just for their their news report, which is what I do. <laughs> and they end up getting lost in the cornfield. and a storm cloud
1: rolls in, a spooky storm. Uh, rule number one, I think, you're in a horror movie? I don't know. Well, and even to get here, I, we kind of glossed over it, but they were trying to get back to the interstate, or yep. back to the highway, and they took a left into, like, a
0: drainage ditch. Yep. Well, because first they wanted to get the B-roll, and then they get turned around somehow, and they're just driving through the cornfield.
1: The same damn thing happened in the first movie. This is Stonehenge magic bullshit. Yeah. They right. are stuck in the corn, and then, of course, more Stonehenge magic bullshit, and now we're here storm cloud rolling and they get out looks like a twister
0: all right now <laughs> here's the. i'm conflicted because when there's a twister you're not supposed to be in your car because cars are very easily picked up by the twister you're supposed to be on the ground as low as you can be to the ground like ideally in a ditch or something because you don't want to get hit by debris but you're going to be safer doing that than being in your car But this isn't a twister, this is a stone hit, no, a a corn row magic bullshit storm by the demon He Who Walks Behind the rows. So I'm conflicted, I don't know what to do here, because if it was a twister, they made the right move by getting out of the car, or at least Bobby did. But it's not that, so they made the wrong move. Basically, they were kind of in a no-win scenario at
1: this point. Well, personally, if I see a tornado, and I've gotten myself into this idiotic situation where I'm out in a storm this bad... I'm not getting out of the car. I know this goes against all recommendations, but th- these storms move at like 30 to 45 miles an hour. So drive 55 miles an hour away from the tornado sure. and you will outrun it. But their car won't but, start. But their car won't start because they stopped it. And was it Mackenzie who was being a little bossy and just like, stop the car, start the car, get out of the car, get in the car, get yeah. out of the car again? Okay, whatever, man. I don't know they're dead anyway. Yeah,
0: at this point, <laughs> they're screwed. Because like, I, I guess we get the best of both worlds because Bobby ends up hiding in the cornfield and Mackenzie gets back in the car and yeah. just tries to take shelter. So, yeah, here we, we've got scenario A and scenario B. So, uh, these very sharp corn stalks start flying around and the first one hits Bobby's throat and slits his throat and Bobby dies. And another one impales, goes straight through the windshield of the, the truck and kills Mackenzie. So, they're both dead now. So, by this point, they're dead and they had no chance. So... I don't know what to say about these guys. Like, they were douchebags, but it had nothing to do with why they died. Yeah, they were in town doing their job. They got killed by magic bullshit that nobody could have seen coming. I don't have anything wrong about what they did. No. I I, I think both of them did fine, and they just got into an unwinnable situation.
1: The the biggest thing they did was turn left into a cornfield into a drainage ditch. Just, Just don't do that and but you know but that's not even like a horror movie rule that's just like a don't do
0: that and even then Mackenzie was doing it to get b-roll which is what i do for a living basically (laughs) and like i get it sometimes you have to do stuff like that i I don't know what to say i I got nothing for these two whatever (laughs) whatever stonehenge magic bullshit yeah so john and danny arrive in gatlin and they meet Angela, who, the owner of the bed and breakfast we met earlier, and she is taking in a boy named Mike, just kind of a soft-spoken kind of guy who is one of the, the Children of the Corn members. Mike And is going to live with her. John wants to interview her, and she's not really interested, and he's like, okay, let me ask you one question. And he sees that she has a bed and breakfast shirt that she's wearing, and it says, come sleep with me at this bed and breakfast. And he's like, do you know a
1: place we could stay tonight? pays to advertise <laughs> it's smooth <sighs> so they are going to go stay at angela's and, bed and breakfast and so as you can tell we have transitioned from the oh, supernatural horror movie back into the lifetime movie yeah, here we are the the, 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 the corny lifetime movie yep, the corny romance i'm gonna keep calling i'm gonna keep saying corny very corny this is this whole podcast corny
0: so the four of them go to the bed and breakfast and they had dinner while danny and angela do the dishes john is kind of like as, like, asking Micah questions, like, hey, man, so what happened? Did you murder your parents? <laughs> and basically, Micah just says, uh yeah, the blood from the parents was given to the corn. That's basically all he says. I saw the corn. John, rule number one, you're in a horror movie. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, all of these characters should know they're in a horror movie at this point. Maybe not Danny yet. Well, even Danny knows they're going to this place where all the parents got murdered, like, Everybody should know they're in a horror yeah, movie. Yeah, why
1: did the mom let him go on this story? She was getting married, and she didn't want him there. Yeah, nice nice mom. Sure, we're good. Great bonding time. And
0: uh, we we found out John used to write for Newsweek, but he got fired because he didn't get along with his editor. And John and Danny end up getting in a big fight. And John's like, "Yeah, Danny, you were a mistake. Uh, accept that however you will. <laughs> chill, chill the fuck out. And Danny's like, okay, I'm leaving. <laughs> fuck you.
1: <laughs> and you know he's 18 I believe because uh, we found out later that John is 35 and he had him when he was 17 so we know that Danny's 18 or 17 he's one of the two if this is your living situation and you know it's never good to tell your kids that they're mistakes No, but it makes sense here this isn't like a horror movie survival tip but you know it's not bad writing I can see it yeah, like, dude, I... doesn't, dude doesn't know how to be a
0: dad no not at all So Danny is walking down the road to the bus stop and he's being watched by he who walks behind the Rose, the the demon.
1: The predator. Yeah, the
0: predator. Who sees an infrared. Predator vision. And a local girl named Lacey drives by on her motorbike and they talk a little bit and Lacey's like, yeah, the bus doesn't come for a few days, so have fun waiting. And Danny's like, well, shit, and goes back to the house or starts walking back. So John's working on a story, and he looks out the window, and he sees, like, Micah walking off into the cornfield. He's still in a horror movie. Still in a horror movie. <laughs> More immediate danger. Yeah. And Micah's wandering through the corn because all the children of the corn have agreed to meet up that night for whatever reason. And But on his way, he gets attacked by he who walks behind the rose and ends up getting possessed by it. So now Micah is the vessel for this demon through the entire movie. So all the other kids, they're out at, in this clearing having a bonfire, and we meet the only other one who really matters, and that's a Mordecai, who's the true believer of the bunch. And he's like, we just have to have faith. A sign will be sent to us. There's a prophecy. A leader is going to walk out of the corn and tell us what to do. And here comes Micah walking out of the corn to tell them what to do. Convenience. Yeah. Destiny. And he's like, we need a sign. We have to wait for a sign. And once we get the sign, we're going to start killing all the adults. That's basically what Micah says. Sure. Sure. Sure, we're here. And so they all leave the cornfield, and Danny sees them all walk out. Like, that's terrifying.
1: Yeah, no, because it's the middle of the night. And I don't know how far Danny had to walk to get to the bus stop, but fine, we're here now, because he's just walking down the corn, and they all just come out, don't say a word, walk into the fog, you know, a couple flashlights, low power, like dollar store flashlights. Yeah, you're in a horror movie. <laughs> and
0: Jenny just stands there and like freezes, like I ain't saying anything but Micah sees him and like talks to him.
1: Micah's weird. What are you guys doing? Oh, it's fun to play in the dark. Uh, oh, yeah, I I guess. So how about uh how about them girls? That lazy yeah. chick's pretty hot. Yeah, yes. she's very hot. <laughs> it, it, it's just uncomfortable. So we're back in the horror movie now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so Mrs. Burke is in the process of moving her house it's literally up on like hydraulics she's actually going to move
1: the physical house. Which, by the way, not that this matters but um, I had to do this with uh, my my house one time or my parents' house rather Oh we're, yeah we' were putting a basement underneath it. so they basically slide a couple really big sticks underneath your house and then they jack it up on really high high powered stilts and then you dig yep. Um. so that's what she was doing. she was literally just jacking up her house in order to put it on a semi. And by the way, if you've ever driven through Nebraska, this is a thing where you'll see just houses on semis. Driving oh, I've seen it in Minnesota those. before. No, I've seen it everywhere, but I see it less often in like your big city. Yeah. Like, it wasn't uncommon for me to see it in my hometown of Owatonna, but now it's like I don't see it as often in in Fargo. So I, I saw it in my hometown in Fridley, which is a suburb. Um, Narrow roads. Yeah. Wide turns. So
0: Micah and some of the other kids, they're just like standing at the edge of her yard just like staring at her. Creepy
1: as fuck. You're in a horror movie. She knows it. Yep, she knows. She's like, You gotta abandon the house. You gotta just go. Get out. She's literally saying, like, Get off my lawn
0: And so John shows up to talk to her and like interview her and she kinda gives him his back uh, her backstory, how her husband wandered off in the corn one day and has never been seen again. There's also this weird kind of cross on the side of the house. And we're we're not sure what it's made of, what the substances looks like kinda like mud or manure or something. So, John, he smells it and, like, brushes it on his pants. And it's like, why would you do that?
1: Yeah. Especially because they were, like, nice work pants, too.
0: Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. But he leaves. And Danny, he's kind of, like, wandering around town. And he runs into Lacey over at the waterfall. And they they hang out and make out a little bit. We're back
1: in the Lifetime movie. We're in the
0: Lifetime movie. (laughs) So, Mrs. Berg, she can't find her cats. She goes out to look for it. Rule number 14 is don't go looking for missing people. And that applies to cats, unfortunately, as well because mrs burke what do you think happened to your cat in the best case scenario
1: well and the cat is alive the
0: cat's fine the cat's absolutely fine but at the same time I was like i don't know if i'm gonna go look for the cat i mean i would probably go look for the cat but she needs to go she needed to be gone with her cat yeah long ago and the cat's underneath her house so she goes underneath her house to get the cat this is like an 80 year old woman by the yeah. way not exactly mobile so number one you shouldn't be going under this house in any way, shape, or form. Rule number 32 is play stupid games, win stupid prizes. There's no good reason ever to go underneath a house that is on stilts. What the hell do you think is going to happen?
1: Well, especially as an 80-year-old. Like, I get it. You know, there might be a reason for you to be under there if you're working on the house. Like, if that's you shouldn't have job. that job. That's a job you shouldn't have. Hazard pay, man. Hazard pay. No, this is a terrible plan. Nobody um, should be under
0: here. Fine. We're here now, though. She's under the house. She's under the house. The The cat runs out. And all the children of the corn surround her. She's trapped. It's creepy as hell. And one of them, Mordecai, uh, the true believer, kills the cat, which is super sad. So let's
1: talk about the cat for a second. I, I, I don't think the cat really did anything nope, wrong here. He just was under a house, and then he was not got picked up and got his neck broken. So f- too friendly of a kitty. Rip. And then
0: Mordecai drops the house on Mrs. Burke.
1: And by the way, this is absolutely like a reference to uh, the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, because her legs are sticking out. Like, there, there's no question in my mind that's exactly what they were going for—a really morbid Wizard of Oz. Literally, her name was Ruby. Yeah, yeah, it was. Wow, and she had a sister.
0: Another, yeah. Well, no, God. yeah, yeah. What a what a reference. This is stupid. <laughs> I like it though. This is corny as hell. <laughs> yeah. So for Mrs. Burke, it's really just she needed to get out so long ago she knew it too she needed to let the house go i said it was let go on her and then she shouldn't have gone underneath the house under any circumstances yeah but you know rip rip the best character in the movie yep goodbye so Lacey and danny they're still hanging out and Lacey's like i want to go to new york with you because there's nothing for me here it's like wow okay we just met this is like literally the second time we've ever hung out yep and the first time was for like a minute we're Mm. back in the lifetime movie yep so, David, who the guy from the very opening of the movie, who we haven't seen since, is at church. And he's not feeling very well. And he notices Micah at the back of the church watching him. I mean, he's uneasy, as he should be. And then he notices his nose is starting to bleed. Because Mike is sitting in the back row with, like, a voodoo doll, like, jamming a knife into David's voodoo face.
1: And we're back in the horror movie
0: again. <laughs> and so blood just starts gushing out of David's head like crazy. And he, like, flails around and dies. It's pretty awesome.
1: Whatever. I liked it. Whatever. Meh. Ryan said at this point, "Derek, you need to start watching these movies for the kills." Yep. And I'm like, "But this doesn't make any sense. Literally, this guy did nothing wrong." Yeah, for David, it it's like get out. Yeah, honestly, he
0: shouldn't I don't we don't know if he brought in any of the foster kids. Yeah. Um we don't know that, but yeah, he if your whole town is inviting a bunch of cultists, come live with them, it's time to get out. That's a good rule of thumb. Rule 11, get out.
1: yeah but other than that, like, the supernatural stuff, just chilling out at church, blood spurting from your ears and your eyes, like, you know, it's, it's kind of like a well-thrown past in the NFL. There's just no defending that. <laughs> like, <laughs> what can you do? Rip. John visits
0: the abandoned Gatlin Elementary School and finds a whole bunch of drawings of, you know, dead adults that the kids drew before everything happened, apparently. And hears a weird noise and runs into Dr. Frank Redbear. He's was a college professor, anthropology professor, because he's like, yeah, something's wrong with all of this, but he doesn't really know either. He, it, there's a really funny moment where he does like the classic Native American movie trope where he gives a bunch of sage advice about what happened here. And John's like, okay, but what actually happened here? He's like, I don't know. Some kids went
1: apeshit. <laughs> and, and, and it was really funny. It was well delivered because like you said, it was kind of that stereotypical trope where it's like if you take from the land there'll be nothing left to take and then, you know, you'll have to give your life or or it will seek revenge or you know, there's a balance or something. You know? Yep. Something along those lines and then just oh those kids went ape shit. Yeah. It, it was it was like, yep, yep. I, I was kinda waiting for that. They
0: they kinda did the expectational thing and then they subverted it right at the end. It was like okay, okay. And it and it was funny. You know, there's some problematic elements with this character especially at the end but he's super likable at the very least and he is funny
1: he, he's a good character yeah he's a good character the,
0: the final scene with him is like i don't know about this this, this is weird it's weird but whatever yeah this seems like we're digging into some
1: stereotypes here right at the end this is uh, 1992 yeah. you know <laughs> this podcast is recorded in 2019 yeah yeah elements have not aged well but it, it's not like
0: a it's not super bad, I don't think.
1: Yes, You know, it's not like uh, like
0: fighting Sue bad. Yeah, it, it, it's... I wouldn't call it malicious. I'd just call it like
1: it, absolutely mildly, mildly ignorant. Like, I would... You know, the Redskins football team. Yeah. That probably shouldn't be a thing. Yes. The Kansas City Chiefs. You know, that's not so bad. This guy is more like a Kansas City Chief than he is... Uh, Washington Redskins. That's fair. That's fair. Um, not to make light of any of this, but I'm trying no. to think of like a, a, a real world example. If you yeah. actually don't want to go watch this movie, sure. So, like, yeah,
0: it, it's not like to the point of being like a character from like Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen, where it's like such an offensive stereotype. There's like a couple of like eh elements, but it, he's a pretty good character otherwise, and he's very funny.
1: Yeah, and and he is a good character,
0: and he's yeah, he's a good guy, and the real MVP of the movie.
1: <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> So we'll we'll
0: see if he he ends up winning the Randy Meek's merit badge, but uh, he's definitely in the running. Yeah, he has to be. Uh, So the cops are at Mrs. Burke's house doing the the crime scene stuff, and her sister, Mrs. West, shows up. The Wicked Witch of the West. Yes. God damn it. I just realized that. Yes. God damn it. (laughs) But it's played by the same actress. Uh, She's played by the same actress. Both sisters play the same actress, which is really funny. God damn it. (laughs) I'm so upset now that I didn't notice that before. (laughs) Unbelievable. But anyway, Mrs. West is like, yeah, the kids did it. She warned you all, (laughs) Mrs. West.
1: Rule number eleven: It's time to get out. And what's even a little more upsetting is she's less mobile than her sister. Like she's also eighty something, and she's in a power chair.
0: Yeah, electric wheelchair. I
1: mean, even out here, she's getting rolled by some old guy. I don't even think it was like a husband. I think it was just someone who's helping. Yeah, you know, helping her get out and about more. Or you know, that her her sister died, and but now she
0: needs to really get out and about.
1: Yeah, leave. It's everybody
0: leave. here, leave. Leave these kids. Yeah, just go. Time to go. Oh, John also notices that the, the substance he's rubbed on his pants earlier burned a hole through it,
1: which is kind of weird and it's like, okay. It's a little unsettling. Yeah. And the kids he knew painted that on uh, Mrs. Yep. Week's house. Yep. And
0: then uh, I think Micah painted it and is like, oh, that's the sign. Time to go kill everybody. That was weird. That, that was weird. It was, it was, it was, it, is that the sign? He's like, yeah i guess if yeah the part's weird i don't know yeah. whatever whatever um, but john at this point's like hey danny don't hang out with these kids anymore don't hang out with any of them even though lacy's not part of this group she's
1: she's uh, a hemingsford kid
0: yeah uh she used to live in gatlin but her parents died in a car accident so she moved to live with her own uncle in hemingsford yeah
1: john's like yeah don't hang out with any of these kids and i'm like yeah that's fair and one because danny's like well you just said but you said you said it's like okay but this time he, he's right yeah,
0: John. what John should say here is, like, Danny, I think we're in a horror movie. Yeah. Uh, so. Like, you're
1: telling me you can be honest enough with your kid to tell them tell them that he's a mistake, but you can't just be straight with him, like, yeah, I think these kids are murderous little monsters. Yeah, stay away from them. Like, actually killing people. Like, yeah. I have my suspicions. Don't do that.
0: Now, Danny, to be fair, is right about Lacey. Lacey yeah. is totally innocent, but I, I can't blame it for John. It's like, yeah, don't go near those kids. They... Yep. Cults are bad.
1: Cults are very bad.
0: <laughs> but Micah bonds a little bit with Danny. He's like, yeah, my dad sucked too. Why? I killed him. Because <laughs> he used to beat me. And I'm like, okay, okay, well, this took a dark turn. And Danny's like, were you happy he died? Micah's like, I don't know, was I? Am I happy he died? Yeah, he was fucking happy.
1: Oh, well,
0: <laughs> very dark. Very dark. But yeah, Micah's trying to groom Danny to join the cult. That's what he's doing. Watch out, cults are bad. Cults are very bad, if we haven't said it already. Yes. So, John visits the town doctor, Dr. Appleby, to, like, figure out what's going on with the the two dead bodies. John brings up the weird substance that he found, and Dr. Appleby gets weirdly defensive and basically kicks him out. It's like, okay, bye. Thank you. Get out of here. Not suspicious at all. But you're thinking, like, oh, he's in league with the kids. No, there's a whole other, like, conspiracy happening here. That's the weird thing about this movie. There's a whole
1: subplot thing going on where there's, like, a real scandal. I don't know. Yeah, it's like, I would not be surprised if this script was originally about
0: a small-town reporter who, ended, or a, a big-city reporter who ends up in this town and uncovers this conspiracy, and he and his son both fall in love with two women. And they have this this, this script, and they're like, okay, it takes place in Nebraska. Hear me out. Children of the Corn 2. And we'll just throw in some slasher scenes. I would not be shocked at all if that's what happened. Because... We're going to be back in a Lifetime movie yeah. here in a second. Yeah. So as John leaves, Dr. Appleby calls the sheriff and is like, yeah, John's snooping around. He's going to find something out. He's going to figure it out. We're all going to hell. <sighs> like, what is happening?
1: I have no idea, but here we are.
0: So Frank, Dr. Redbear takes John out to this creek. And he's like, this, this area has power to amplify good or evil. And kids are especially vulnerable to it there's like an ancient legend about some farmers who got lazy that lived out here and the kids got upset and murdered them just like what happened in gatlin so clearly there's something evil here feels very stephen king
1: it, very- yeah it, it feels very stephen king and uh more backstory that maybe we didn't need but you know it's fine
0: yeah i mean this the, the original was a Steve, stephen king short story so he right. had nothing to do with this one but you know he, there's a few elements that feel like stephen king stuff mm-hmm. and Hugh walks behind the roses watching them while they're doing this
1: Ah, yes, Predator Vision.
0: Yes. So back in Dr. Applebee's, the power goes out, and he grabs a flashlight, he hears someone, there's someone here, and he sees all the kids are outside of his window. Dr. Applebee, you're in a horror movie. Yep. (laughs) You should have known before, but you're in one. All the kids break in, and they attack him, and they
1: end up stabbing him to death with syringes and finally a knife. And he was dead anyway. All those syringes were filled with air. Ooh, yeah. So... I mean, took was one, but, you know, they, they went for the overkill. Yeah. He, he like everybody else, needed to get out a long time ago. And also, you know, don't be a menace. If, you know, uh, he didn't have his own conspiracy that he was trying to cover up. Yep. Uh, maybe they could have all come together to try and, you know, yeah. oust the kids. That's a good point. Um, Dr. Appleby and at least the sheriff, we don't know
0: if anybody else is on this, but the two of them are in this conspiracy. Basically what they're doing is they have rotted, moldy corn, that it, from the previous year that they have saved up. And what they're going to do is mix that in with this year's harvest and sell it. And they bribe the right people and they'll make a tidy profit. So that's what they're doing. And, you know, it's, it's toxic mold on there. People can get sick and even die from it. They don't really care. So it might make sense. A doctor is staying in town, even maybe against his better judgment, to get out because he needs to protect himself by co- keeping the conspiracy a secret. So, yeah, rule number four, don't be a menace. So John and Angela are hanging out. And Angela used to be a sales executive, and then her great-aunt died, left her the house in Nebraska. She moved here, and she's like, yeah, I like it here. And we're in a Lifetime movie. And, yeah, and John's like, yeah, I like
1: it here, too. And then they're having sex. <laughs> sure. We're definitely in a Lifetime movie, because they've hung out for like two or three days now, yep. at most. So Danny, he sees some kids
0: hanging out in the corn, and he's like, I'm going to go out there. No, <laughs> N- no don't go in the corn the, there's this is the worst possible decision yeah i'm not even sure like this is like definitely play play stupid games win stupid prizes like i don't know what he was thinking
1: I, I yeah yeah like it's not even don't leave your shelter it's, it's worse than that because yeah. you put yourself in a bad position and you knew it like and you didn't have to like it, do you really believe micah when he earlier said like it's more fun to play in the dark at night in yeah. the corn. Like, wh- no, what are you doing? Cults are bad. Play a stupid games, win stupid prizes.
0: So Micah is like preaching to the kids. There's a girl named Ruth there, and she's from Ruth is from Hemingsford, and they've convinced her to join the cult as well. They're, they're trying to bring in kids from this new town, and Danny arrives, and they're like, "Hey, Danny, you want to join too?" And it's not the official ceremony, joining ceremony yet, but Danny's like, "Yeah, I'll join." Why not? what could
1: possibly go wrong? Cults are bad! See, no, in fairness, in this particular instance, it seemed like Danny was like, I will say anything to get me out of this situation. Yeah.
0: This would make more sense if Danny was just walking in the corn and just stumbled upon this because it was so stupid for him to go out here in the first place. But let's let's say you're wandering around by yourself and you stumble across a cult in the middle of the, the corn and they ask you to join them. You say yes. This is a Ghostbusters rule. If somebody asks you if you're a god, you say yes. Great. When someone asks you
1: you're a god you
0: say yes (laughs) yes just say yes because if you say no something bad is going to happen
1: fake it till you make it yeah
0: exactly if you they they ask you to join a cult, say yes and then wait for the opportune moment to get the hell out then you have no excuses not to leave yeah get out but you know play along until the opportune moment arises yeah
1: this is this is kind of a variation of like knowing when to play possum like you're defeated so just kind of roll with it
0: yeah yeah played that a little bit here you're not a threat yeah yeah i'm with you guys i'm with you totally with you yeah. someone asks you to join a cult you say yes and get out of there when you can good good rules for life
1: <laughs> but don't go walking around in yeah. the corn in the middle of the night and you should generally be okay also yeah. don't go walking down hollywood boulevard yes <laughs>
0: yeah fuck scientology you heard me come at me don't though <laughs> so Lacey and Danny they're they're hanging out. And yeah, this is just like this awkward cut, like Danny joins a cult. Oh no, Danny's hanging out with this girl. World Lifetime movie, I guess. This is the weirdest like transition. But they're hanging out and Lacey's like, hey, I'm gonna run and if you catch me, you can have me And then she takes off running into the cornfield and Danny's like, okay and runs off in the cornfield after her. And they end up, like, making out in the cornfield, and they realize they're making out on top of a a dismembered hand and a bunch of other bodies.
1: So, I mean, you know, nothing's a mood killer, I guess, quite like that. But, like, let's go back before that. Literally, you just ran into a cult in the cornfield. So, my my most apt comparison, and obviously Children of the Corn 2 did it first, but there's a scene in Game of Thrones... When uh, uh, Sir Davos Seaworth is talking to Gendry, and he's like, so, you know, why did you agree to do that with the Red Woman? He's like, you're me. Never been with a woman. And she comes at you. What do you do? (laughs) And then Sir Davos Seaworth just goes, well, he doesn't, she doesn't know her way around a man's mind. (laughs) It's like, yeah, I suppose if this girl goes running off into the cornfield and you're Danny... You're gonna chase her. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm not making excuses. I am simply explaining the behavior. Yeah.
0: Oh, it makes sense. From uh, you know, it's a, it's a reasonable choice to make. Yeah. He's in good with the call right now. He's like, hey, maybe, hey, I can go on the cornfield and have sex. What are they gonna do? Maybe. Maybe I'm safe. Maybe I'm safe. So they they flee, and it's weird because this is when you should go to the cops. But they they split up at this point, which doesn't make any sense. Don't
1: split up, gang. Yeah.
0: Let's split up and look. And we don't even see this. This this just later on we're gonna see Danny on his own. It's like what what did you guys do? What happened? And they're talking on the phone and then the phone line goes dead. Yep. Rule number nineteen, don't split up, gang. Why would you split up here? Go tell the police. I don't know. Stupid. So John and Frank, they find a shed, a silo full of corn from the previous year, and they, they figure out this conspiracy of what the town's trying to do. Um they're like, Oh, Doctor Appleby, he's behind it all And the sheriff pulls up, they're like, Sheriff, we have a problem and the sheriff draws his the gun. They're like, Yeah, we yeah, have we a problem. Know. <laughs> so the sheriff's in on it. Okay, so now you're not in a horror movie. Now you're in, like, a conspiracy thriller. But okay, sure. You're in some kind of movie
1: where bad things happen. Yep. People die in conspiracy thrillers. And, you know, this is where we have uh, we have some choices based on some past rules. Ryan, do you let the sheriff take you to a secondary location?
0: Yeah, uh, that's a great question. It, it's tough because we cut away here. But yeah, rule number... 38 is don't let yourself take new secondary location. So, what I have to imagine here is he just pointed the gun at them and kept his distance and made them walk into the corn. That's what I have to assume happened Mm -hmm. here. So, I think at this point, I would have, like, slowly walked into the corn. And the second we're in the corn, I take off running and, like, hope I get away. Yeah, it's tough, especially because we didn't see it. They, They don't show us what happened.
1: Yeah, we don't really see what goes on here. And, you know, it's not the classic surrender in a corner kind of thing. I do think... Don't leave the buildings because yep. at least you can duck around corners at this point. Sure, there you, you could have tried harder. It's a movie; I get it. Yep, but there was an opportunity here at the very least to get away. Yeah, John and
0: Frank went along with this very easily. Yeah, um they kind of just let themselves get taken to a secondary location without trying anything. Yep, you know who knows if anything would have worked.
1: Now, granted, they had absolutely nothing to fight with. Yeah,
0: which is their first mistake. They're both in a horror movie. All these characters should have followed rule number five, lock and load, a long time ago.
1: Or, you know, something, some variation.
0: Yeah, they're in a tough spot. So, you know, technically, it is a violation of rule 38 for both of them. So Micah and the kids, they're in town harassing Mrs. West with a remote control car, which I don't know where they got this. It's hilarious, though. And then somehow, using the same remote control, Micah takes over Mrs. West's wheelchair, And drives her
1: out into the road where she gets hit by a truck. Literally not possible, by the way. Stonehenge magic bullshit. Like, yeah, it it had to have been some kind of supernatural interference here because... Whatever, whatever. I'm not going to try and make sense of this. Yeah,
0: Mrs. West, again, she needed to get out just like everybody else um they should not be in this town anymore but besides that she didn't do anything
1: and now by the way for this scene we're not in a lifetime movie nor a horror movie we're in some kind of dark comedy
0: that's exactly this because she gets thrown through a window because she gets hit by the truck so hard into a bingo hall just as a guy got bingo and then after the chaos settles he stands up he's like bingo
1: (laughs) it's like what (laughs) what are we watching oh and by the way i don't know if you saw his bingo card but like the numbers he had marked off were like upside down cross oh good so, I was like... The yeah, you know, subtle things. The yeah, subtle things. You know, like, you gotta enjoy the little things. Rule 32, but not our rule 32. Yeah, well,
0: Tallahassee's rule 32.
1: No, that's Columbus. No, oh, Columbus is
0: rule 32. So, Danny talks to Lacey on the phone, because they split up, because they're stupid, and it goes dead. And Micah arrives and tells him, it's time. Oh, that's concerning. Cults are back. How <laughs> foreboding. Uh, is
1: time? Great.
0: Let's go. Yeah, that that is never a good thing to hear from a cult leader. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Jonestown, it's time to drink the Kool-Aid. No, no, it's not. Uh, Danny, leave. Yeah, no, D- Danny needs to follow, the, follow uh, the rule 28 here. Run, bitch, run! <laughs> ah, bitch! Ah. Don't wait. Yeah, don't go out in the cornfield with him. You need to go. Get out. Run away. Ah. Don't go along with this. <laughs> Cults are bad. Cults are so bad. <laughs> yeah, so the sheriff ties up Frank and John, and they're out in the, the cornfield, and so they're tied up with, like, a metal stake holding them into the ground. And he starts up a harvester, and he's going to just let them get killed by the harvester. And he's like, yeah, it's going to be this weird accident. No one's going to know how you two died. It's uh, a mystery. Yeah. You're... this is kind of a fun little monologue from him.
1: Just on a left field. Yeah, like, about is... something that's not central to the plot at all. Because just... he's just in on his own separate little conspiracy theory with the dead, you know, the late Dr. Appleby. Yep. Like, okay. Sure. Sure fine he's like i'm gonna be in charge of this investigation so (laughs) i'm
0: gonna get away with this check and mate unfortunately the sheriff breaks rule number 29 no half measures no more half measures walter like shoot them you know he has a point the shooting them is like oh that's suspicious run them over yourself don't just leave because he starts it up and leaves he's like i got a town meeting to go to bye finish it make sure it's done make sure they're dead no half measures John and Frank manage to get loose and roll out of the way. Yep. Which is kind of funny because they get loose, but they're still tied together. And they're like, let's roll! <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of like that. So they, they get away. Uh, Angela finds the new girl, Ruth, and a bunch of other kids up in her room. And she gets captured. And at that point, she's screwed. But, you know, Angela, don't be a good Samaritan. This wouldn't have happened.
1: Yeah, don't, don't bring in uh, the culty foster kid. She's also kind of breaking rule thirty-eight here without, you know, with getting taken to a secondary location. Yeah. But she was more overpowered than anything else, so she didn't even have a way to fight because yeah. Jeremiah was kind of on top of her before. Uh, Mordecai. Wasn't Mordecai? Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, Mordecai and a bunch of other kids there. She had no chance to get away at this point. Yeah. John and Frank, they're wandering around and they find the bodies of Mackenzie and Bobby. And Frank basically finally tells him about the legend of he who walks behind the rose. And this doesn't end up mattering much, but, you know, whatever. Whatever. The sheriff attends the town meeting, and the reverend is there. This woman named Mary, who's convinced all the children are bad, and she's right.
1: Because um, her husband is the one who died a bloody death in the church. Is he? Yep. Okay. Because she was, like, the one handing him handkerchiefs and everything like that. Okay. So, yeah, David's wife, Mary. And so the pastor just thought she was hysterical, like, we all miss your husband. He was a good man, but you know, step away.
0: Yep. So they realize the children are outside and have locked them all in. And they pour gasoline on the building and set it on fire. Seriously, this is another case of rule number 11. Get out. You just break the window and jump. Like, if you go fast enough and, and you tuck and roll, you'll be fine. These people well, could have gotten out.
1: Well, and it's also your only chance. Yeah. They just la- let themselves get scared into dying.
0: Yeah. Rule number 17 is never give up. Next thing you try, my work. Some of these people could have made it out of here if you just jumped through the window. Break, break the glass out first. Dive through. You'll go fast enough where you won't get burned. And tuck and roll, and maybe you have a chance. You might just get killed by the kids out there, but you have a chance. Yeah. So we lose the entire goddamn town, basically, is in this building, and they all just burn up.
1: Whatever. That's fine. All right. They didn't know they were in a horror movie. They're stupid. Well, they, they And they should have known. They should, Everyone should have known. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, I guess for the sheriff, you know, don't be a menace.
0: Yeah, but even that, I mean, that might be part of the reason they were targeted, but I, I, I don't even think being a menace had anything to do with his death.
1: No, it it didn't. It, if anything, it blinded him to the actual sure, nastiness they were going on. Too
0: concerned, you know. All of them were good Samaritans. It seems to be that they all brought these these kids in, um, so that's not great. So you know, don't be a good Samaritan. They they've all should have gotten out of this town a while ago,
1: or well, forced the kids to get out. Like, yeah. there,
0: there were there were multiple routes to success here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't bring these kids in. So the kids are all in the corn at the in the clearing. Danny's there too and danny is offered to officially join the cult and to do it he has to kill lacy because lacy and angela are are tied up to be sacrificed and they're like okay you're gonna kill lacy before he has to make that choice frank and john driving in the giant harvester
1: he who walks behind the rose is coming with a light from the corn no it's just the harvester that's the harvester
0: it's pretty cool danny sees the opportunity he cuts lacy free and John comes in and starts punching kids in the face, <laughs> which is awesome, and frees Angela. Danny and Lacey take off running into the corn. Frank ends up getting shot with an arrow. Some kid has a bow and arrow, I guess, and Frank why, gets hit. Well, why not? Hit the side with it. You know, and this is, Frank's not going to die yet, but this is going to kill him. So let's we'll just say for Frank real quick, you know, he probably shouldn't come back to save the day. Don't, don't, don't be a, go
1: looking for missing people.
0: Uh, yeah, no, 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 don't be a good Samaritan. Don't go looking for missing people. Get out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> The, there were plenty of ways to survive obviously they were not his motives at this point yeah. so you know we need to take that into account but this was a survivable movie Children of the corn is not a supernatural movie where you are absolutely and royally out of options yes yeah.
0: none of these people were trapped in this town as far as we know I mean I guess we never saw any of them try to leave so maybe they would have been
1: because we did see stuff in the first one where the car kept on getting turned around yeah for and some then
0: reason. Mackenzie and Bobby early on yeah
1: um but they turned into the corn yeah it, you know it was it was whatever. It's fine. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. We'll we'll never make heads or tails. Of no, this. we won't. Malachi throws
0: a spear at John. John catches it in midair, throws it right back,
1: and kills Malachi. Mordecai. Mordecai. Mordecai, not Malachi. I I have no words. I mean, this is kind mm. of a part of like. Uh, is it rule 17 like take the shot oh yeah no, that would be um rule number 22 take the shot and then there's also like he's an adult and this is a kid so i'm gonna call it like fight dirty like yeah. i mean fuck it no half measures like he didn't catch the spear because uh I-, I don't remember what his name was in the first children of the Corn, but he was like basically why don't we all just like love each other because y'all are in a cult and you've been brainwashed and we should not be doing this this is bad and he's basically an adult oh and yeah he, like mentors the kids and John is like, "You don't throw a spear at me. I throw spears at you." <laughs> no, you <laughs> throws like, the
0: spear right back. Rule number five, four, Mordecai: Don't be a menace. <laughs> yeah,
1: but, yeah, but
0: yeah. John takes and, the shot. Cults are bad. Yeah, culture bad. Don't be in a cult. And John takes
1: him out. It's it's pretty cool, actually. It, it's a funny. I wasn't expecting it because like the spear is made of a corn stalk. Yep. And I was like, God, I hope that John just catches this. And then it's almost like a softball toss. Yep. Like, you know, he obviously never played catch with Danny when he was a mm-hmm. kid, but he gets to play catch with Mordecai. Yep. And it's just higher stakes. It was pretty great. It was funny. One of the best parts of the movie. Yes.
0: Uh, so John and Angela take off into the corn, too. And this whole thing, because Stonehenge magic bullshit is like an endless corn maze of loopingness, and they end up right back in the center of it. Whatever. What can you do at this point?
1: Yeah. It's it's magic bullshit. Yeah.
0: So everyone's back in the center now. And Malachi, he gets them all on their knees. He's going to kill all four of them. And Frank's still alive. So he starts the harvester again. It gets uh, Micah caught in it, and he starts getting pulled into the thing. John seizes the opportunity, rule number 22, and he takes the shot again. He just punches his captor in the face and is like, okay, let's get out of here. Time to go. So he grabs Frank out of the harvester, and the four of them all take off. He walks behind the rows, abandons Micah, and Micah gets pulled into the harvester and dies. You know, to be fair, he was possessed, and he wasn't entirely in control, it doesn't seem like. But, yeah. you know,
1: cults are bad. Cults are bad. For Micah. Uh-oh. I mean, granted, this is pretty much a worst-case scenario. Yes. But cults are bad. Cults are bad. Yeah. Thank goodness we had that exposition from the sheriff earlier that this is a very painful death.
0: Yep, thanks. Uh, and the harvester somehow blows up. Frank ends up dying in John's arms. The next day, John, Danny, Angela, and Lacey build a funeral pyre. Out of corn. And, out of corn and burn Frank. I don't. Th- they probably should have informed a government official about this. <laughs> Not the right move. I don't
1: think you're supposed to do that. I, I don't have words. I, I've got nothing because even then, you know, they, they light them on fire. They go hop in, uh, what's, what, who, what's the girl's name? Angela's car. They go hop in Angela's, you know, poppy red convertible and uh danny says you know they'll have to take you back at newsweek because no one will go this far for a story i'm like okay so cool i thought this was actually leading to him writing a story for the inquirer that nobody would believe oh that'd be hilarious because it's the inquirer and i was like this is hilarious because he's gonna write this crazy story nobody's gonna buy it and no one's gonna buy it no one's gonna believe it because he's the only one who survived he's the only one who got the scoop but everyone's gonna be like that's a bunch of Stonehenge magic bullshit. Yep. It didn't happen. But it's like, yeah, no, you probably shouldn't just be burning corpses. Especially like, I mean, not especially, but you know, this guy is a prominent figure at a university. People... Maybe he didn't want to get cremated. We don't know. How How do we know? We know nothing.
0: Respect his wishes. We don't know what they are. Maybe he had a will. And then Lacey's like, I'm still going to go to New York with you and I might be in love with you, but maybe not. We'll talk about it. <laughs> okay. We're, Whatever. We're, we're in a Lifetime movie again. Yeah, sure. And so the final scene of the movie is Frank's spirit, now in full, like, traditional Native American costume, whatever. And he is now, his spirit is now the protector of this land. Okay. Yeah. That's what we're going to end with? Okay. Cool. Whatever. And that's sort of the corn, too. <laughs> I hope you, that made some sense to her, anybody who's listening to this.
1: I think this might be, of all the bad movies that we've watched... Or all the horror movies, sorry. They're not synonymous because there are good ones out there that I can admit. Uh, we said meh and whatever, I think, more than any other podcast we've ever done. Because that's exactly what this movie is in a nutshell. It's just meh.
0: Definitely we said more than meh. Uh, I still think the whatever record goes to Josh and I's. I still know what you did last summer Th- podcast. I mean, that's, that's
1: fair. That's fair. But it's just like every single one of these steps is built on a foundation of illogical bullshit. Yeah. Yeah everyone like none of this should have happened yeah it's bizarre and it's like everyone was constantly smart enough to make it to the next part of the movie but too stupid to have stopped the movie from starting to begin with yeah I, so i i have nothing it, it, this movie is so odd confounding i don't know it just whatever <laughs> yeah whatever meh yeah. meh we're here so, I don't know. Ryan, Ryan, you got thoughts at the end of all this?
0: Yeah. You know, I, the movie's entertaining enough. It yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense, especially when you break it down from, like, a story structure-wise. <laughs> like, a lot of the decisions don't make much sense. And, you know, I'll get into this uh, more when we get into the Random Meeks Mary Batch, uh, when we talk about my nominee. You know, and I think a lot of his decisions make sense. When, and I'll just say it's John Garrett, our, our main protagonist. A lot of what he does makes enough sense. But, like, everybody else like, What? Uh, but we'll get into that. But yeah, that was From the Corn too. Okay, so I don't really have any new rules. I, mean, I don't think we covered a whole lot of new ground here in the Final Sacrifice. No, we already got Cults are Bad. That's so. the main thing. Cults are Bad and Get Out were the two big ones here. Yep. So no and, new rules. And
1: knowing you're in a horror movie. Yeah. A lot of rule one. A in, in In fact, I think this is the most ignoring of a rule one of any movie that i've been a part of i'll agree
0: out of what we're on episode 28 of this series and i'll agree this is the biggest failure of rule one we've had in the whole time because yeah this is pretty egregious so let's get into our awards so the first war the first award is the randy meeks merit badge which goes to the character who did the best job at following the rules this is of course based off randy from scream my favorite movie character of all time who had his own list of rules to survive horror movies that he created. So he's kind of the inspiration for this podcast.
1: There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie.
0: Derek, do you have a nomination for the Randy Meeks Merit Badge? Because I already said mine was John Garrett.
1: I mean, the only person that I want to at least throw her name out is is Mrs. Burke, Ruby Burke. Because she was the only one in the whole damn movie who knew she was in a horror movie. And although she didn't follow the rules quickly enough she tried and then she made one silly mistake where she tried to go and get her cat and they dropped a house on her yep because the wizard of oz is funny <laughs> but because she was the only one in this whole movie to figure out how quickly she was in a horror movie i just want to nominate her i don't know that she deserves to win but i just want to say say that
0: you know i i'm glad she had the the foresight to know where she was but you know she needed to follow get out yeah, man. She, she could have lived, and her choices prevented her from living. Rule
1: one is no good if you do nothing after that. Yes,
0: inaction. Uh, or slow action. Yeah. So I, th- I think it's got to be John, because, you know, he, you know, he's at least investigating. He's in town doing his job. Uh, he realizes fairly quickly that stuff is weird, and he's like, yeah, hey, Danny, don't go near those kids. He gets tied up in a weird conspiracy thing for a while, but... You know, he doesn't give up. He gets out of that trap he's in. He comes back with a harvester and is punching kids in the face, throwing spears to save his son. You know, Frank didn't need to come back to do that. But, you know, John needs to save his son. You know, that's a good thing to do. It's, it's, It's
1: more makes more sense than Frank anyway.
0: Yeah, You know, John, there's a couple opportunities where he took the shot when he had it. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing too great in this movie in terms of character decisions. A lot of it doesn't make sense.
1: I I really don't like giving this award to almost anyone this time. It's it's hard. John is the shiniest turd in terms of our rule performance, and he doesn't do anything out too outright terrible. He arrives in the
0: town later than everybody else. Besides Danny, and you know, John realizes he's in a horror movie quickly enough.
1: You know, I think I just have this weird just feeling about this movie in general. Where I'm like, I don't think we should be giving out any positive awards. Oh,
0: we'll have plenty of those later on, but we have to do it. Yes. You so have to.
1: Nope, I, I got it. We're, I got we're grading
0: on a curve here. I got you. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's gotta be John. It,
1: it is. It's John.
0: John Garrett is the winner of the Randy Meeks Merit Badge. So let's move on to the night of the Living Club Award, which is based off Barbara from the night of the Living Dead, the worst character of all time. And this goes to the character who did the worst job at following the rules. So plenty of those. They're
1: coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it. You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara.
0: I don't know. What about Danny? because Danny's the idiot who just wanders off the cornfield when he shouldn't be and like, oh, I just stumbled upon a
1: cult. Yeah. Cuz I mean, I was I was thinking about Lacey, but I mean, everything that Lacey did wrong, Danny was there for and Danny did more. More. That was wrong. Yeah. The only good thing he did was say yes. Yeah. You know, he faked it, he he knew when to play possum a little bit and yeah, you know what? That decision obviously saves his life. But that's kind of, you know, despite yourself because you put yourself in the situation. Yeah,
0: he put himself in the situation. He shouldn't have gone out there in the first place. He, after finding the bodies with Lacey, he shouldn't have split up from her. I don't know what they were thinking there. He gets way too involved with this cult just to basically spite his dad. Now, granted, you know, he comes around, but he probably would have either A, died or B, been a member of the Children of the Corn if John hadn't shown up when he did. So Danny's pretty trash.
1: <laughs> Danny, bad, bad showing.
0: And you know, for a lot of the rest of the characters, they're kind of like, they all should have gotten out. They all need to know they were in a horror movie. But beyond that, it was mostly like a one and done rule. Like the sheriff, for example, it was just like, he kind of gave up. Whereas Danny did a lot more bad, mm-hmm. you know?
1: And it was generally useless. He was a burden for other characters. Yeah, He, he was uh, something for the main character. You know what he was? He was an escort quest in an yeah. old, old video game. Yep. Where it's just completely useless. You're not going to die, but they're going to die a lot without you constantly intervening.
0: Yes. I think Danny is the knight of the living pleb here. I I agree. But he is a living pleb. He survives the movie. He does survive. In spite of himself. Derek, has the final sacrifice steered you off of children of the corn? Are you going to remove some corn from your diet, or are you going to keep eating...
1: You know, I, I don't eat corn, but I, I guess I'll watch the third one.
0: All right. So Derek is on the board for the
1: Corn 3, Urban Harvest. Can you hear my enthusiasm? I know not a review podcast, but I really hope that the third movie is anything but this one. It's because, definitely different. Because this one is just so meh. Yeah. Like, I think I'd rather watch a worse movie, so at least I could come on the podcast and get passionate about how... Awful it was.
0: Yeah, there's nothing to get passionate about in Chernobyl Corn too.
1: No, this is just a. It's it's exactly how I feel about lifetime movies. <laughs> there's absolutely nothing here that I care about. Yep. But you know what? This is a, a a ten movie series. That and it's corny horror. There's gotta be something in here somewhere.
0: Yeah, one would hope. So it's time to spin the wheel of spooks. So I'll go ahead and read what's on the wheel. So we have a Nightmare on Elm Street three, Dream Warriors, Chernobyl Corn three. Urban Harvest, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, Halloween Resurrection, Child's Play 2, Leprechaun 2, Saw 4, and Friday the 13th Part 3. Derek, go ahead and spin the wheel. All right, we have A Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Dream Warriors. Josh will be t- doing that one. We'll get Josh back on the podcast after a long break. That'll be fun. Nightmare on Elf Street 3 is legitimately a great movie. I know you ignore me every time I say that about horror movies, but even if you go on Rotten Tomatoes, Nightmare on Elf Street 3 is very well regarded by critics even. It, it's, it's legitimately a great movie. One of the best ones in the series, um, might be. I, I'd say it's my second favorite. Uh, all right, yeah. Out of the nine, and I, I love that series. I love all nine of those movies. So um, my second favorite of the nine, I'm pumped. That'll be fun. So you can follow us at How to Horror on Twitter and on Instagram at How to a Horror Movie. Derek, anything else to add? No, I'm looking forward to the next one, I suppose. Yeah, that was uh, enthusiastic. Well, thanks, nah. for, thanks. for doing this. Yeah, no problem. I'm glad you're uh, willing to take this long trip through Nebraska with me.
1: Uh. I you know I will say I'd rather watch this movie than drive through Nebraska.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Same, I think everybody on the planet should say that. Yeah, it's a no-brainer actually.
1: I mean, this movie takes less time and is more entertaining. Mhm. It's true. Okay, well this has been the How to Survive a Horror Movie podcast. Stay safe out there. <laughs> <laughs>